Tuned into the God Stories Radio Podcast. www.godstoriesradio.com. Welcome to God Stories Radio. This is session 34. I'm Mike. I'm Fritz. And I'm Trish. Well, Trish, how was your week? Wow. Wow. Really? I Tuesday, I went to UCF, and I didn't know. I lost my wallet. And oh so, yeah, I get to Rollins College 30 minutes away. 20 minute walk, 30 minutes away, hour away basically. And four hours later, I get a phone call from this guy and he starts asking me all these very personal questions <laughs> like my birth date and my name. And I'm thinking, you know, who is this? And he says, um, I think I have your wallet here. And I'm thinking, my wallet is in my bag. Is this some kind of prank, you know? And he starts reading off my credit cards that he's got and. You know, and I thought, oh, dear Jesus, wow. So I go to meet him to pick up my wallet. Everything is in there, all my credit cards, $62 in cash, all in there. And I said, you know, because he said, I don't know if you believe in God or what your belief is. I said, as a matter of fact, I do believe in God. (laughs) And I told him about God Stories Radio. And... um, He said, um, I said, God put it on my heart to give you all this money because had you been a thief. I was just going to ask you that if you gave him the $62. Just to make a joke, but you did do it. Every penny of it. That's awesome. Every penny of it. And I said, do me a favor. He has eight kids, right? Wow. And he left his wife with eight kids while he's doing this study at UCF. And I said, take your wife out to dinner. It's $62 is not a whole lot, but you know, Cause she's a saint, staying with the eight kids while he's doing. You could this. do Olive Garden or something for sixty-two. I think. Sure. So anyway, after I gave him the money, he told me that him and his wife had split up. He couldn't take her out to dinner because they had split up four months ago. He then proceeded to tell me that he was homeless. He was homeless, and he called me to return my wallet with all those four credit cards. in cash, didn't take any of it, and he said, I'm a Christian, God tells me what to do, and I just do the next right thing. Wow. So he might be a future guest. You could learn something from that. Yeah, I got his number. Oh, did you? Oh, I did. Oh, excellent. He's a vet from Iraq. He's had closed head injury, PTSD. Man. Yeah. Well, speaking of getting numbers, I'm... Man, I can't wait to hear our guest this evening. I've been excited all week. Oh, man, me too. Me Always. too. Tell us about her, Trish. Well, she, I hate to just bring it up from the get-go, but she, she happens to be blind. And I just say that because she is a woman with many hats. Um, she's blind, but 
through God's grace, he's brought her opportunities. She's an international speaker. She's a best-selling author. She's a radio host. She's a master Spanish interpreter, which she was the first in, um, I think, the state of Florida. And um, she's a life coach. She's a ministry leader. And um, she's taken out time to be with us tonight. So I want to introduce you guys to Janet Perez Eccles. Welcome, Janet. Welcome, Janet. Well, thank you. My goodness, after hearing that, I feel like I should be tired. (laughs) (laughs) We have that effect on you. (laughs) Well, just hearing all the things, I'm thinking, do I do all those things? And really, the truth is, it's just God's grace who just allows me to be able to live a life to serve Him in every way. And uh, yes, I am blind. I'm completely blind. People ask me, now, Janet, let me ask you now, so you're legally blind, right? I say, no, I'm completely blind. Actually, it should be illegal to be this blind. (laughs) And uh, it's one of those things where people would think, goodness gracious, you know, somebody who can't see at all, how could you work? How could you get around? How could you do so many things? But it turns out that when I lost my sight at a very young age, young, I think now looking back, when I lost it, I thought I was old. I was around 30 and 31. But uh, most would say, you know, that's really hard to to get around or to have a full life. But in fact, it was quite the opposite with me. God was just so gracious that uh, allows me to do things I would have never dreamed I'd be doing while I was sighted. <laughs> you said so one I, of the things you said that people don't even, you know, we just take so much for granted when we can see so you know we can see what we're doing um you said something about putting the toothpaste on the toothbrush wasn't that you that said that you didn't Uh, know how much toothpaste to put on the toothbrush because you couldn't see it when when i that's true when i first lost my sight everything was such an adjustment it was all those little things that you you do them so instinctively because you glance at it and you you know get it done and that was one of the things. I would hold the toothbrush in one hand and the toothpaste in the other. Well, how do you know how much to squeeze, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I, I couldn't see, and either I would put it out or I'd get it all over the toothbrush and in the sink and things. Uh, and, and it just reminded me how much we depend on our sight to do so many things. Uh, but since then, I've adjusted, and I have tricks to do just about everything, including putting the right amount of toothpaste in the toothbrush and cooking and cleaning and laundry and working the computer and writing everything else. So it was a journey, and it was, at the beginning, very, very difficult. In fact, it was traumatic. It was horrible. It was a uh, devastating um, situation and you've the had way a, it happened. You've had a few devastating situations. I, I wanted to bring that up, too, about your son. Yes, yes, and it, it's one of those situations that when you look at a life, you think, oh, goodness, you know, all that, that's pretty yucky. <laughs> that yeah. is a, a, a life that most people would probably end up falling apart, not being, not being able to go on. And it's because of that, because my, of my blindness, because of the other, other tragedies, which, of course, I'm going to retell, I relate how they happened. But because of all that, and since God has been so good to me and so um, 
comforting and gracious and opening so many doors. My life now is a thank you, Lord. Thank you, because I really should be a mess. But mm-hmm. instead, he has given me a life that is so full, so just overflowing with joy. So how can a night sing but be grateful, right? Right. So the the way it initially happened was unexpected, actually. I came from Bolivia, my parents, my brother and I, and my father made it a rule that we must learn to speak English and learn to speak it well. Mm-hmm. So we had no choice. We somehow battled through school, and it was tough because we didn't understand the word. We didn't know any English at all, but we learned it quickly. And I went through school. I was always in the, in the honor roll. In my last year of college, I met my blue-eyed gringo. <laughs> and we fell in love after graduation. We got married. And he became um, got a CPA certification. We built a beautiful two-story home. We're driving BMWs. And I was doing exactly what I wanted to do all my life, and that is stay home with my little boys. It was like a dream come true for me. I thought you Imagine. meant maybe driving the BMWs was... <laughs> no, that wasn't part of my dream because I never even knew what a BMW was. Because remember, I'm a, just a little Bolivian little girl, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's just coming from a guy's perspective. <laughs> I know. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that, that was nice, you know, drive nice, drive nice cars, but that was not really my dream of a lifetime as it was to be home be a mom who stayed home and take care of uh, her little boy. So it was just, uh, at that point, when I turned 30, and life had been like a dream come true. It was it was better than planned. Uh, you know, we hoped to make a life here in the States, but I never would have thought it would be that type of life for me, so abundant and so rich. But, you know, in that in that kind of life where you would think I have everything, we never had any financial problems. You know, I was young, I was pretty back then. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, had the boys were healthy, they were just beautiful, my husband loved me. But there was something inside me that was still empty. Of course I couldn't pinpoint it because I would fill it with more things for the house, trying to keep up with my neighbors, with what they had. There was a new wreath, there was a new landscape. We were there to do it. New vacations, new clothes. But there was something always there missing. Nothing was really enough to bring me that peace and that joy that I, back then I didn't know that's what, I was, what was missing. I just knew there was something else I needed. But on the surface, everyone looked, looking at us sort of thought, you know, we had it made. And I think in the world's in the standards, we did. We did have a successful life. Everything was going well until one day my world began to fall apart. I was driving the car, and I noticed I couldn't see the cars on the lanes next to me like I could before on the, the corner of my eye. And I thought, no, this can't be. Not that this is just too soon, because what happened is when we came to the States, I was 13, my dad was, um, had gone to an ophthalmologist, and he was, he was diagnosed with a disease called retinitis pigmentosa, and he told us that I had inherited the disease, but I had no worries because I wouldn't see any effects until I reached the age of 60. So back then, when I was 30 and I started having trouble,
trouble seeing out of the sides of my eyes. I thought, this is just too soon. The doctor said it would happen until I reached 60. So I, I kind of put it off. I really dismissed it. But the more I draw, the more difficult it became. Cars would come from nowhere at times, and I was so afraid that I would cause an accident and hurt my little boys or hurt somebody else. So finally I came home and I told my husband, you know, something is going on with my eyes. I don't know that I can, I can drive. It's just it's just so hard. I explained it to him, and he was very understanding. He said, don't worry, honey. I'll, I'll take care of the driving. I'll take the kids wherever they need to go. But as the weeks went by, I had to worry because what was happening is my vision was closing in more and more. I began to run into the furniture, into the children. I would miss steps. I would think I was putting a glass on the table, but I missed the edge and drop it on the floor. So my husband and I became very, very concerned and began to visit ophthalmologists. No answers. But we went to herbal healers, new age healers, acupuncturists, anything. We would try to see if there would be a way for me to, to have this disease be stopped or, or slow down its progression. But no one would give us any hope. In fact, not one ophthalmologist told us that we need to be prepared. And when he said that, I thought, what is, what is he talking about? I, he, he's not meaning that someday I would be, but I couldn't even think of the word. It was so terrifying to me. Showing everything I would be without sight. I didn't dare ask him if that would be the prognosis, but he just said, there's nothing we can do short of a miracle. You know, the, the disease is just what it is. We don't know how long you'll keep your sight. Some people keep it all their lives. Some people lose it immediately. But I thought, no, that could never happen to me. But sure enough, as the months and the weeks went by, my vision became, began to close more and more until all I saw is what you see through a keyhole. And then I got even more desperate and began to pray even more, asking God to allow even that little bit of sight to, to remain there so at least I could see my little boy's faces. But it just kept closing in. My vision became blurry until the day came when I woke up. I put my hands in front of my face, and I saw nothing. I blinked. I wiped my eyes. I squinted. I turned on the light, and I saw nothing but a gray, just a gray dreary of nothing. It was horrifying. I just froze, and I thought, no, this can't be. And it was the most terrifying feeling, almost like someone threw me in a dark prison and I couldn't get out. And I remember the doctor's prognosis that if I lost it, if people who do lose their sight, there's no way to get it back. So I was facing a lifetime of blindness, a lifetime of darkness. And I remember thinking, you know, what about my little boys? And they were in the family room, you know, they had gotten up. They were saying, Mommy, I want you. And Mommy, he's hitting me. They still needed me. So then I, they had gotten used to me dry, walking around the house, kind of holding on to things because my vision had gone so low that I needed to, to kind of feel my way through. But they didn't realize that morning that I had lost it completely. And, of course, they were in their usual as the three-, five-, and seven-year-old little boys would be romping around doing things. But in my in inside me, I was just I was just shaking. I was I was devastated, thinking that I don't think I can do this. And my biggest fear in those days was that someone would come to the house 
and say, you know, ma'am, you're blind. You can't take care of your little boys. And I was afraid someone would take them away from me. So I, whatever way I could, I take care of them, fix their lunches, their meals, their cereal, and prepare their book bags and that. And it was, it was almost like a, I was in like, like a twilight zone. Like, this isn't happening to me. I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be able to see again. But but the reality was there because everywhere I turned, I had to feel my way. I didn't know where I was in the house. And, of course, my husband, who wasn't prepared to face this, he was holding on to the hope that I would still see at least a little bit. He didn't expect this to happen so soon in just months. And I'm sure that through this process, I wasn't the most nurturing and loving and affectionate and caring wife that I I was before all this happened. So one night he came home and he said, you know, I can't go on with our marriage. I have somebody else in my life. So there I was, completely blind, three little guys to take care of, my husband rejecting me, and I didn't know what tomorrow would bring. I felt worthless, I felt unloved, I felt ugly, rejected, and just miserable, thinking, why is God punishing me this way? What did I do to deserve this? Why me? Why now? What did I do for my husband to love somebody else and not love me anymore? And in the midst of that, that darkness and that just sorrow, kind of life that I had those days, a friend called me up, and she invited me to a Christian church. Now, I had been going to church every Sunday all my life, but I had believed in that religion. I followed all the rituals. I obeyed the doctrine. I was told, I was always doing what I was told to do, but I had not come to know any relationship with the Lord, which is what I found in this Christian church. See, I knew all about Jesus, but I didn't know Him. So when I went to this Christian church, that's where I learned. I learned about the Bible. I helped people give testimony. I heard stories about how Jesus comforted people, how He healed the blind, how He allowed the, the lame to walk, and all these miracles he had done, and I thought, this is what God is going to grant me the miracle. I had been asking him for so long, you have to be in church to receive a miracle, right? So there I was, hoping and praying that God would restore them, that my eyesight, like he had those blind people in the Bible. But that didn't happen. I went home and still, I couldn't see. My eyesight had not changed. My little boys didn't need it me. My husband was with somebody else. And I felt like God was mocking me. His silence was cruel, and his punishment, I didn't think, was deserved. But not having any other option, I went back to this Christian church. And one day while I was sitting there in the pew, listening to the Bible once again, there was a verse that just just opened my heart, and it, 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 it struck it like lightning. And it was the first um, the book of Matthew 6.33 that says, Seek first the kingdom of, of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added on to you. And I just froze. 
I thought, Lord, wait a minute. What I was looking for first, what I was seeking first was to be normal again. I wanted to be able to see. I wanted to be the mom for my little boys that I was wanted to be. I wanted my husband to love me again. All those things were number one for me. They, in turn, looking back, had become my God. That's what I sought so passionately to be able to have the life I had before. But in that verse, God was saying, seek me first. So in my heart, I cried out to the Lord, tears rolling down my cheeks. I said, Lord, show me how to seek you. I'm dying inside, and I don't know how to do that. How does one seek you? Well, God answered that prayer almost immediately because then I went home and I did something I had never done before, and that is I began to read the Bible. Now, of course, I didn't read it with my eyesight. I read it through audio. With those headsets on, I listened to chapters, to verses, to passages. I heard God's promise, His instruction, His direction, His comfort, His grace, and it was like my soul was just being saturated with the living water. And what happened then is the days went by because I would just be so addicted to God's Word because it was almost like I had been so thirsty and I was having water for the first time in my life. Every time my little guys were sleeping at school and while I was sleeping on the floor folding laundry, I had a headset on listening to God's Word. Well, what happened then is that peace began to fill my heart and that bitterness, that anger, and that resentment for my blindness kind of went away. But a certain peace, like the Bible says, peace that goes beyond all understanding, that filled my heart. And then reassurance that I didn't have to worry, because that verse in the book of Psalms that says, My word will be a lamp to your feet, and a light for your path, that verse was for me. So I received it, I embraced it, I applied it, and I walked on that truth. And I said, Lord, if what you're telling me is true, I'm going to believe it, and I'm going to believe that in my blindness you will be my lamp and you will be my light and that's all I need to know. And verse after verse after verse has filled my heart and a beautiful thing began to happen too and that is I drew wisdom from God's Word. The wisdom to recognize how to react to difficult situations. Not in an emotional, hysterical way that I would have before but in a way that honors the king. So one night, my husband came home. He had not moved out. The person he was involved in worked with him, so I knew that when he came home late from work, I knew where he was, and that was so painful. But one night when he walked in, I said to him, we need to talk. And I said, you know, I didn't force you to marry me, and I don't want you to feel forced to stay with me. You're free to go because I, too, have somebody else in my life. His name is Jesus. You're free to go because he promised me that he would be the father to our sons and he would be by my side should you decide to leave us. Now, of course, I couldn't see the expression on my husband's face. (laughs) (laughs) But (laughs) days later, he came home and he said, 
I made my decision. I said, yes. And he said, I'm going to be putting everything else behind me, and I'm going to be devoted to you and our son. Now, the old Janet would have gone, oh, that is so wonderful, and you grab them and kiss them. But I said to him, not yet. If you and I are going to make it together, the only way we can do it is if we invite Jesus into our marriage. He agreed. And I said, and something else, we have to begin to pray together. Mm. Now, praying together was so uncomfortable because we had never done that before. But I knew that he and I would be lost if we had not, if we not sought the Lord deeply together and constantly. He agreed to pray with me, and we did, night after night. Pretty soon, he became my best friend. We fell in love all over again, and uh, two months ago, we celebrated 38 years of being married. Mm. He is my teddy bear, I call him. He <laughs> is the love of my life. He is the most supportive, loving, wonderful husband I could ever, ever ask for. But you know that episode told me taught me several lessons. Number one, the lesson that, you know, when we look for joy, when we look for satisfaction, when we look for fulfillment, and if we try to find it in someone else, even if it's in our own spouse, we'll always be disappointed. Mm-hmm. Because the joy, the fulfillment, that peace, and that satisfaction can only come from the Lord, from Jesus. I learned that. And because I knew that, a new confidence filled my soul to where I didn't have to be jealous anymore. I didn't have to be suspicious. I didn't have to keep asking my husband's questions, where are you going, thinking, what if it happens again? No. I had that confidence. I had that security grounded in God's Word and in Jesus. So our marriage was very, very different. Second lesson I learned was the importance of forgiveness. I had to forgive my husband. I forgave him completely, and I had n- I never brought up that episode again in my life. The reason I forgave him is because Jesus said to forgive. And the reason I think he did is to set me free, and he did exactly that. Forgiveness is such a powerful and impacting gesture, I think, in a marriage. Learn to forgive. Of course, I could have never done it if I had not been in the Word day in and day out, and my husband would not have joined our hearts together. Another lesson I learned, and that is that so desperately I wanted to be normal. So desperately I wanted to live the life I had before. But you see, I had a life that I wanted, and what I was asking Jesus is what I wanted what I had before, but what he gave me instead is what I needed. I needed to have that peace. I needed to have that sense of completeness that I had longed for when I could see. I had been empty before, but not anymore with the Lord. So I realized, wait a minute, normal doesn't mean when you can see or when you can hear, when you can walk, when you have financial security, when you have your health. Normal means that in the midst of those difficulties, in the midst of those trials and that pain and heartache, you hang on to the Lord 
and you receive his joy because you know who will bring triumph. That's what normal became to me. So all those lessons, of course, just brought a new life to me, and I always want to say that when I lost my sight, my brain kicked in, <laughs> because there were times when I would say, Lord, you know, I, what am I going to do being blind, really? I love taking care of my boys, but goodness, when they're gone, when they have their own families, what will become of me? What does a blind person do anyway in this world? I couldn't follow my career in business, business administration. I had gotten my degree in that area, in that field. How would I work in an office? It was impossible. But then a friend suggested I become a Spanish interpreter, because Spanish is my native language. So I called called a company, and I asked them if they were looking for interpreters. They said yes, and I went to take the test, because it was an oral test. And I was happy about that, because it would have been written. I'd have never been able to take it. So, took the test. And the very next day, the, the receptionist called me up and she said, Janet, um, we want to tell you that we, we have the results of your test. I said, really? What, how did I do? And she said, well, you did great. In fact, we're so impressed with the results that we're going to send you tomorrow to the Naturalization and Immigration Courts for your first interpreting assignment. Wow. Oh, I thought... Lord, I, I felt flattered, I excited, I was so grateful, I said, Lord, you were so good to me. Imagine, not knowing what I was doing, but there I was being sent to my first assignment in interpretation. So I grabbed my white cane, my husband took me there, and I was waiting for them to call me. But when I waited there, I started to do something kind of silly. I started to think, wait a minute, what am I doing here? I thought, I don't know the first thing about interpreting, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to fail. I don't have the training, the experience. I don't know the terminology. And then I learned something very, very important. Probably one of the most important lessons for me. And that is what I was doing is I was already preparing my defeat. The thoughts that I was having were already preparing my failure. But see, because I carried God's word in my heart, I remembered what he said. And whatever is just, whatever is good, whatever is worthy, whatever is excellent, think about these things, he says in the book of Philippians. So I said to him, Lord, I'm going to believe that if you open this door for me, you will do for me what I cannot do for myself. Because you are good, your power is excellent, your ways are perfect, I'm going to hang on to you, Lord. Claire came up and she said, Miss Eccles, we're ready for you. I grabbed my right cane, followed her voice, sat down, the session began. What I heard in English, I said in Spanish. What I heard in Spanish, I said in English. Then finally the judge said, we're going to take a 10-minute recess. Oh, I breathed relief. Finally. But then he said, Miss Eccles, approach the bench. Oh, my goodness. What is he going to say to me? (laughs) And he said, Miss Eccles. I am also bilingual, and I want you to know that I am very grateful at your high level of accuracy and your professionalism. Wow. Wow. Not only did he carry you through, but he gave you the rest of it. You know what I mean? Abundant. He he gave you that and more. Absolutely. I went home, and I was beyond delighted with the Lord's ways. And and to me, though, 
another important thing is that, oh, goodness, it's so, so sweet of the Lord, that He knows our needs even before we know them. Isn't that true? Yes. When I was at home sometimes, I get home after my little boys got home from school. And I said, Lord, you know, I love my job. I love how you gave me this opportunity, but you know my first passion is for my little boys. I go to court just a couple of days after that, and a, a, an interpreter colleague of mine says to me, did you know there's a company that's offering interpreting service over the phone, and there uh, you can interpret out of your home? Wow, I said, this is awesome. This is great. I went home, threw my purse in the couch, went to the phone, called the director, called the company. They hired, almost, they hired me almost immediately because of the experience that I had in court. They said, you can begin in a couple of days. I was thrilled I was going to be home. I love to talk, can you tell? <laughs> <laughs> and I could speak. And I was and speaking two languages on the phone and get paid for it. Oh, my goodness. It was like, beyond dreams, right? So there I was, waiting for my first call, and I thought, wait a minute, what? This is never going to work. Because when I was in the courtroom, I could interpret at the same time. I didn't have to take notes. But over the phone, you have to take a lot of notes. And from your notes, render the interpretation to the other person who's also on the phone. I couldn't see the paper or read. How was I going to do that? I was facing something that was impossible in every sense of the word. But what does God's word say when we face impossible situations? All things are possible. Amen. All things are possible with him. Right. Luke 1 verse 37 says, for nothing is impossible with God. Amen. You probably didn't have any problems interpreting where uh, all those open doors were coming from either. (laughs) Speaking of interpretation. (laughs) That's right. Talk about interpretation, right? (laughs) I was a pro at that and interpreting God's Word as well. So I said, Lord, I don't have to know how. I just need to know who, and it's you, who will be by my side and guide me because I have no idea how am I going to do this. I was tempted to call the company and say, I have to tell you something that I didn't tell you before, and that is I'm blind. See, I never told them, they never asked, I never said anything to them, right? So, the phone rang, picked up the phone, and I used my most courteous and my most friendliest voice. I let them speak just a little bit, I interpreted. They spoke a little bit more, and I interpreted right away. I let them speak long enough for me to be able to retain in my memory. I finished that call, and I did the same thing with the call after that, and the one after that. A month later, the company called me, and they said, Janet, we have to tell you that we're getting phone calls from from our clients. We're getting letters from our clients. Oh, no. I said, really? Well, what are they saying? And, well, they're saying that they're so impressed with your prompt interpretation and your high level of customer service, we want to, you and your husband to fly to California to get the Interpreter of the Year Award. Wow. Wow. <laughs> it gives you what you need and more. Amen. See... So often we try so hard to think, but I don't have this. I don't have this, the skills. I don't have the know-how. I don't have the opportunities or the education or the networking. But God is saying, are you look, going to look to see what you have? Or are you going to look to see what I can provide? What a beautiful lesson for me. For me to be able to see 
and my blindness so clearly his hand at work, his graciousness, and he's just caring for me every step of the way, just like he said he would. Now, those years, now that was <clears throat> 20 years ago. I'm still <laughs> with the same company. Wow. And through those years, they had me do other projects, like monitor other interpreters' performance. They had me draft training material, me being blind. <laughs> God also gave me the, a computer where I can I use a software that reads me the screen. So I was able to develop material, write forms, progress reports, and they shared a lot of things for the company. And they would always give me projects before they gave them to my sighted colleagues. I never knew why. But never did I think, oh my goodness, don't they realize I'm blind? How am I going to do this? I never thought that. I always thought, Lord, I can't wait to see how we're going to get this one done. And I always managed to get everything done, and I was blessed to receive every award, including the most highest and most prestigious and highest award of professional excellence by the company. But the thing was is that my job ended at 4.30. What am I going to do from 4.30 till I go to bed, right? My little boys were already grown. They were not little anymore. They had sports. And so... In this nifty computer that I have, I began to write. I wrote my story, divided the chapters, and I thought someday my kids might want to read it, my grandkids someday. Well, lo and behold, it turned into a book. We published it, and it began to inspire people across the country, Germany, New Zealand, England. I was getting orders. People were writing me. One woman said, that book changed my life. I thought, Lord, this is so you. It's not me, it's you that's working through me, and I thank you. So after that, I began to write the magazine articles. I began to submit stories to Chicken Soup for the Soul, and to date I have 23 different stories and 23 different titles of them. Guidepost Magazine accepted my stories, and it was time to write my second book, and I wrote it. It reached number one on Amazon.com. And to look back at the day... And I sat and asked the Lord, what does a blind person do anyway in this world? I think God was saying to me is, why are you looking at the things you lack? Why don't you look at the things you have in me? And when he said he'll give us exceedingly and abundantly what we ask and hope for, he means exactly that. And some things that I do now, like travel by myself, <laughs> when I could see, you would never catch me flying somewhere by myself. I just thought, oh, that'd be too scary. I don't want to go anywhere by myself, especially in another country. Now, white can in hand, the Holy Spirit in my heart, I travel by myself, all over the country, other countries, always seeking ways to honor Him by helping others the best of life. But my story doesn't end there. And I don't know if we have time. Do we have time? We have time. Okay. Let's do it. (laughs) Okay. Well, 10 years ago went by after I lost my sight. 10 years? Maybe more than that. Oh, yeah, 15 years go by and I'm serving the Lord. One night, we get a phone call late at night telling us that our youngest son, Joe, at the time, was wounded. And I thought, wait a minute, who could have wounded him? My Joe was captain of the football team, captain of the lacrosse team. He was handsome. He was witty. He was leader in, a leader in every way. I remember the student venture um, 
uh, leader when he was doing Bible studies for school, he'd always ask me, is Joe going to come tonight? I said, yes. And he said, okay. And I know kids will show up because I all follow Joe. <laughs> he was that kind of kid. So when he reached 19, I thought, what could have happened to him? Who could have wounded him? So I, we went to where they were, to where he told us he was by then, the paramedics, the ambulances were all there. I wanted somebody to take me to him and say, and I wanted to hug him and say, honey, mom is here. It'll be okay. But they said, no, ma'am. You can't get near him. We're working on him. Instead, why don't you and your brother, your sons and your husband go to the emergency and wait for us there? So we did that. We went to the emergency room and we waited and waited. And in that dark, dark emergency room forever, it seemed like. And to finally, a doctor walked in and he said, Are you the parents of Joe Eccles? And I jumped to my feet. I said, Yes, where is he? How is he? When can I take him home? And that's when he told us that our son had not survived the 23 stab wounds. And in my heart, I said, Lord, this can't be. These things don't happen to those who know you. That's my baby. But you know, in the midst of my agony, you know what I heard so clearly in my heart? That said to me, be still and know that I am God. What he was telling me is that he knew my anguish. He knew my wall had just fallen apart. But he was telling me that he had not changed. He was still the same, the same one that he lifted me up when I was blind. He lifted me up when all those heartaches came through my life. He was the same one with the same promises, with the same ways and the assurance. So I began to believe in him. I said, Lord, you're going to have to hold me up. I need the strength to hold my husband up, my parents, Jill's brothers, all of us were just devastated. And as I counted on God's word, repeating his word, remembering his promises, he did exactly that. Night after night, he would bring peace, the peace that goes beyond all understanding. Not only that, but he brought to memory one very important fact, and that is that when Joe was 17 years old, he went to a camp for um, Christian athletes, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and there is where he accepted Christ as his Savior. He came home from that camp, he knocked on our bedroom door, and he said, Guys, we have to pray. He said to my husband and me, the three of us held hands, we sat on the bed, and Joe prayed, and he said, Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for giving your life for my sins, and thank you for giving me parents who will pray for me. That was the happiest moment in my life because I knew the day should come when my Joe's days would end on this earth. I knew where he would be. And see, it's that reassurance that just warms my heart. It just gives me that hope that I'm going to see Joe. I'm going to see him again, but this time I'm going to see him with my own eyes because God's what says that the blind will see, the deaf will hear, and the lame will leap. And it's that hope and that reassurance and that guarantee that I hold on to that gives me the ability to be grateful. See, that sorrow, of course I still miss Joe, his birthday, Christmas, but that sorrow that just was breaking my heart turned to gratitude. Gratitude for the gift that he was for 19 years. Gratitude because I had the, the choice to live as a victor or as a victim the choice to be stuck in my sorrow or continue to serve the Lord. 
see that it's that gratitude that just keeps me going every single day. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the privilege of inspiring others and letting them know that no matter how dark the valley, how deep the pain, how difficult the tragedy, with you, there is no tragedy that won't turn to triumph. I think the gift of gratitude is one that sometimes we overlook. Gratitude for something, no matter how deep the pain, there's always something to be grateful for. A year after Joe was killed, the man to kill, who killed him was being processed. The trial took three days, and it was the most difficult three days of my life other than losing Joe. It was difficult because he had to endure all those details of what happened that night, how he and this other man had exchanged words on the road, and they pulled into 7-Eleven as a parking lot. They had gotten out of their cars, but my son didn't know the man was armed with a knife. He had stabbed my Joe 23 times and Joe's friend seven times. The friend survived and the man went home with a scratch on his cheek and a bloody nose and he went home free. But the trial was necessary. He had to be punished. I had to endure the description of the medical forensic describing each of Joe's stab wounds in his body. And that was so extremely painful for me. It was almost like those stab wounds were going into my own body. But I knew that Somehow, God was going to see this justice come through. At the end of the third day, the, the judge read the jury the instructions. I hung on, hung on to my husband's hand. My heart was thumping. We stood to our feet, and the verdict was ready. The president of the jury stood in front, and he read, We find the defendant not guilty of all counts. Mm. He was set free. Wow. We fell apart all over again. We went home devastated. We had to calm Joe's brothers that wanted to seek revenge. We were just broken more than we could have ever, ever expected. And I had a talk with the Lord. I said, Father, I don't know how, even though your word says that all things turn to good for those who love you and are called according to your purpose, I don't ever see how this could ever be turned to God. My husband and I went home and did exactly what we had been doing for years, and that is literally on our knees praying in our bedroom, night after night, for strength, for peace. And one night my husband said to me, you know what? If this man repents and is forgiven, he too will be in heaven with our joy. We have to forgive him. Mm. In that moment, we both choice chose to forgive the man who killed our son. And what happened then is those bars of resentment, anger, and bitterness that could have held us prisoners, they came down, they crumbled, setting us free, completely free, to once again live that life of peace and joy. And that's when God answered my, my question. When I told him, I don't know how this could turn to good, he didn't turn it, no, no, to good, but he turned it into the, the best, the most beautiful way for me to see firsthand the beautiful freedom we have when we choose to forgive. Now, we chose to forgive, not just the word, but genuinely forgive him, not because he suffered a prison sentence or was punished, because he hadn't, but just forgive him because God had first forgiven us. 
And I always say, when I travel around and speak, I always say, you know, unforgiveness is the chain that keeps you bound, but forgiveness is the choice that sets you free. And uh, and I, as I share my story, many folks come up to me and say, you know, my situation is nothing compared to yours. But I don't think God would want us to compare our crosses to you. <laughs> no, no. I think he wants us just to see him as a powerful and loving God that he is. That no matter what happens, he has a way to bring that joy, that lasting joy, and that peace that the world could never give us, no matter what, what happens. And I, um, I think that when I speak of my testimony, when I share the details, and when I give conferences on different topics, I know that maybe like your listeners today, they're going to go and listen to this perhaps and be inspired, but they're going to go back to their own lives to their own difficulties, their own struggles and conflicts or heartaches. And I know that. And the reason I wrote my last book is to be able to give that resource, to give them something to inspire them and encourage them day after day, because we live in a tough world. Mm. It seems like to be turning darker every day. So the resource of this book, which I titled Simply Salsa, because it's not complicated to celebrate God's God's ways and God's life. I put that together with insights and um, examples, real life examples, God's word, how to apply it, so that we can live that life of joy by learning to conquer fear. Because I tell you what, in each of the episodes that you heard me relate, fear had always been at the bottom. I didn't realize it there, but there was fear of being blind. There was fear that my husband would never love me again. There was fear that my little boys would grow up scarred by having a blind mommy. There was fear that would I would be unproductive. There was fear that I would never be able to overcome the heartache of the loss of my son. There was fear that I would live with bitterness because of the man who killed him. But all those fears are so often manifested in so many different ways, in anger, in addiction, in anguish, panic attacks, so the essence of my book, Simply South, is to teach you how do we conquer that fear? How do we live the God's Word when He says that He hasn't given us that spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind? So there you have it, <laughs> my testimony. That was great. That is awesome. <laughs> that I can more, really relate to that. More than awesome. Miss <laughs> uh, Janet, have you have you ever read a book by Oz Hillman called Upside to Adversity? By chance, no. are you familiar with it? Well, no, but I love that title. <laughs> well, your your testimony hits home with me because especially me and Mike, and I, I think um, when you go through a Joseph like experience like that, um, or a Job like experience, and then you you're tested in so many facets. Mm-hmm. It's kind of an indication that you were chosen to do something big. And, uh, oh. you know, Paul talks about his thorn in the flesh. And and I, we don't know what that is, but he asked God to remove it three times. And I, it kind of came to mind when you were talking about praying to the Lord to, to heal your sight. 
you know, I'm kind of going through the same thing right now with my hearing. My hearing seems mm-hmm. to be getting um, worse. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the fear that you spoke about is is prevalent. So yeah. I need an autographed Kidding. copy of your book. ASAP. Oh, absolutely. ASAP. I'll bring it in prison. Okay. <laughs> oh, that'd be, that'd be awesome. Uh, I might just do that, right? Um, I agree with you. I think there's uh, so many of us are facing things that um, we have not, we fear something has not happened, see? And we that's where the fear it comes from, is when we think about the worst or what it could be. But if, in essence, we think, God gave me today. God gave me this moment, and I will not allow the fear for tomorrow to steal that joy. And I think that um, when you mentioned Job, yes, he had gone through a lot. There were times in my life, and during those dark episodes, when I felt like saying, and say, you know, Lord, this was Janet, not Joe. But more often than that, I look back when I was a little girl in Bolivia in a home where we only had electricity till noon and water till noon. And, you know, we lacked a lot of the comforts that we know here today. I pictured myself and I thought, back then, did the Lord have all this planned already? Back then, when I was a little girl, shy and, and feeling, you know, lost, God already has planned all this, and I think, Lord, you are so good to me. You are so awesome to be able to take the little girl from Bolivia and just give her so much. As I said at the beginning, I was talking to you, Trish, that really my life should be a mess, but God is not that way, right? Mm-hmm. He allows episodes to go through our life, but He has a message already preparing in us through our life. And you know, the ministry that I have is just a gesture. It's a sign of thank you, Lord. And you know, I do some crazy stuff too. Like I have a, I have a show called Cooking in the Dark, <laughs> <laughs> where I prepare meals, you know, things and healthy food. And I would say, you know, all my dishes have to be. They have three three criteria used criteria used for my food. They have to be dishes have to be nutritious, delicious, and so simple to prepare that you can prepare them with your eyes closed. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, it's, it's, I'm having, I'm enjoying this time. I, I'm I'm delighting in all the all the tasks the Lord has put before me, and uh, it's just a joy, a, a joy to be uh, serving Him this way in the ministry. Wow, I don't know. You're so busy. I don't know how you do it all. I wanted to make sure that we get some information out there to our listeners about um, your your one book I got the other night, Ola to Happiness. Oh, Hello you got the to Bible? Happiness. Yes. Yeah, Ola Happiness. Love it. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yes, um, that's my Bible study that kind of goes along with Simply Salsa. If, um, it's for, you know, book clubs or uh women's groups is um, a study of the Bible to see how does God's Word really apply to our situation in life. Um, what does what does it mean to walk with Him? What does it mean to lean on Him? So I'm glad that you like the Bible study. Um, in fact, those who contact me through my website, I would love to be able to do two things. If you mention this show, what I'd like to do is offer you, because I'm also a life coach, 
I would offer you a 30-minute free session, coaching session with me, and I will send you um, a digital copy of the Ola Happiness Bible Study. Uh, and digital also works quite well because it has videos with it, yes. which I present I the that point. You love videos. <laughs> A blind woman that loves videos. I love I it. Isn't that, isn't that the craziest thing? I said, can God you send me a bio? And she's like, well, I can do better than that. I have a video. I'm like, really? <laughs> o- okay. thought, this is very visual. <laughs> well, God has a sense of humor. Yes, I yes, love videos. I, I really do. Yes, yes. And, I love and, when, you know, when I... Oh, I was just going to say, I love when you can look back and see that God was preparing you. You were saying that when you were in Bolivia, did God already have everything planned out for you? And sometimes you go through trials and you realize that God was just using that trial to prepare you for something bigger and something better and something greater in the future. And you know, Trish, I think that is the message I would also like to convey so clearly. And that when we're going through those trials, when we're going through those tough, tough times, and then those, the, those moments for me literally were black moments because I saw black. It was so painful. But when we are going through them, we would never be able to think, oh, wait a minute, God's going to use this for something wonderful. We, don't, we, we can't think of that because we're so caught up in the pain of it all and the heartache and the anguish. But when, that, when we get to that initial shock, I want to say, mm-hmm. how beautiful it is to say to the Lord, I don't know how you will do this. I don't know how you will use this, but I just know you will for your glory. I just know that you will allow me to be a testimony, to be a light to others because of what you'll do in my life. And I think speaking those words and declaring that, affirming that God's word is true, he will turn out things to good for those who love him. I think it just opens the door for him to use you even more. Yeah. So no matter what it is what it is that you're going through, as painful as it may be, as hopeless as it may be, God is already crafting something wonderful. Yes, he is. And as he's been taking me through these past seven and a half years, uh, one of the, the verse that came uh, that we have on our uh, one of our pages on the websites, it's Second uh, Corinthians first or Second Corinthians one three and four. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us mm. in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in mm. any trouble with the comfort we ourselves received from received. God. Yeah, mm. yeah. Yes. You know, that's a responsibility, really, as Christians, as it believers, is. to do that. Um, I could go and say, oh, isn't this a great life I now have? I, I would not feel... Um, I think fulfilled if I wasn't really following his commission to uh, bring the light of the Lord before others to help others see the best of what God has to offer and to comfort with the same comfort I have received. So yes, I mean I'm I'm praying that I'm living that uh, that um, commission and that instruction that God gives us in His Word. You have an amazing testimony. I wanted to make sure that our listeners had your website address. It's Janet. Per- oh yes, Janet Perez. Janet Perez Eccles. Eccles. Yes, it's J A N E T Perez P E R E Z Eccles E C K L E S dot com. 
That's right. And because I know Eccles is a little tricky to spell, I also have uh, the domain, which is the very same website, but it's just www.inspirationforyou.com. All words spelled out, inspirationforyou.com. Yes, I would love to have folks visit me and contact me. And, um, of course, I'm always very open to to speak to different groups to different conferences in fact tomorrow night i'll be doing a conference for married couples nice. how do we all count those tough moments in a marriage how do we deal with tragedy what do we do when you know we face infidelity what is it that we look for when our spouse is going through problems health-wise or emotional episodes so it's really a, a, a very much of a privilege to be able to um to speak and to to share God's goodness. Well, we'll have to have you come back because there's so much to you. I I feel like we have we just started. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, one day we'll have to just talk about all the funny things and and God's sense of humor in my life and all the things it allows me to do and and to experience like driving a car and parasailing and doing all kinds of things. <laughs> yeah, you love cruises. That I, I thought that was interesting too. I'm thinking she likes cruises. So she likes to travel around the world. But she can't see I love but, cruises. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the only one I don't think I will ever go on is an Alaskan cruise because I don't like the cold. Mm-mm. And Alaska is known to for its scenery, right? Right. So just describe me the pictures and I will save a lot of money and stay warm in Florida. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yes, yes. I do enjoy doing a lot of things and um, many of which I would have been too scared to do, like I said before when I was sighted. And one of them is helping to homeschool my little granddaughter, which is um, a joy. And I'm hoping that she'll remember that, you know, to to know God, you don't have to be able to see physically. Right. Wow. Well, do you have uh, a favorite song? Oh, we picked it already. Oh, we did. We did. I didn't get the memo. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) You kept them in the dog. (laughs) It's, um, It's Jenny Owens, and the song is called Free. Mm. And I, she she Jenny. happens to be blind as well. Oh wow! And her song was one of the first songs that I heard that was a Christian song, before I even listened to Christian music. And you know, I went through some trials myself, and that song just spoke to me. You know, and so she was talking about freedom and freedom in Christ, and so I thought that would be a good song. She said she would allow me to pick it. So. Oh. Wow, and it couldn't have been a more perfect one, right? Yes. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Janet, for being on the on the show. I know someone or yeah. someone's needed to hear what you had to say tonight. Oh, I pray that happens. The Lord just uses his mind leave. Thank you so, so much, and thanks to all of you for what you are doing. And I'm going to be praying that you just reach millions and i know you will pretty soon we are (laughs) thank you we're up to uh, 26 different countries there you go and we'll make sure we're going to have a a link to your website we'll have a link to um i want to have a link to your podcast to your radio show too because you do the sweet talk yes so yes yes um, did I send it to you? I think I did, didn't I? Well, each week, of course, it's a new. Sh- I mean, each month it's a new show, so I'll send you the links as they come by. Oh, that would be fantastic! Yes, 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 definitely. 
Well, thank you, everyone, for hanging out with us for this hour. And um, that was Janet Perez Eccles. And we so appreciate her her time coming and and giving her testimony. And um, you can contact her direct if you have any questions or want to purchase a book. Or you can always get us at GodStoriesRadio at Gmail, and we'll get a message to her. I'm sure she'll be happy to respond to any questions. Um, She also challenged some of the listeners out there if they call in to her and say that they heard this podcast that uh, she'll give them uh, 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 one of her videos free or a book signed or something. Yeah, an electronic copy of her book. Electronic book. And also um, a free 30 minutes of life coaching. So if you need to be inspired, I can tell you after... 34 emails going back and forth between myself and Janet. She's very inspirational. I week. just had a free hour of life coaching. I'm going to tell you what. <laughs> I, and I will not send you a bill. Oh, <laughs> oh and her number. Oh, let me give out uh-huh. your number. It's 407 855 1565, area code 407 855 1565. And that can be found at the bottom of her website as well. Fantastic. Thank you to all of you, all three of you. God blessings, and may he just bring you the abundance that he has prepared for you. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Well, our website is um, GodStoriesRadio.com. GodStoriesRadio.com. And this you is going to be tweet us. Yeah, you can tweet us at uh, Twitter, at GodStoriesRadio, and, and Gmail. And Facebook dot com slash God Stories Radio and then God Stories Radio at Gmail. If you have a Facebook account like us. Please do. Please do. Well that wraps it up for session thirty four. I'm Fritz. I'm Mike. And I'm Trish. God, God bless. bless. And you shouted joyfully you're not a slave anymore. You're free today. Forget about your two left feet and you're free to sing. To believe that you'd become humanity and change the course of history because you left me so. And my heart cannot understand why you'd accept me as I am. But you see, you've always had a plan, and that's all I need to know. So when I am consumed by what the world will say, it's